1: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSC.
0: At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need.
1: Is there anything
0: you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Noop. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. Hello, this is the Olive Magazine podcast, your weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the Olive Magazine team. My name is Laura Rowe, editor of Olive and your host for this special edition, number 121, if I remember rightly. Janine, our food director and your regular host is on holiday in sunny Cornwall this week, in case you were wondering. So, for this episode, I met up with Nikki Segnit, the best selling author of The Flavour Thesaurus, and most recently, Lateral Cooking. Her first book sold more than 250,000 copies and has been adored around the world, with fans including Heston Blumenthal, Nigel Slater, and randomly, but very coolly, Kate Winslet, thanks to her analytical hunt for flavour combinations combined with inspiring, quick recipes and even quicker wit. So in a quiet corner of an East London cafe, Nikki let me delve into the inner workings of her connective foodie brain, shared her favourite places to eat out and how she navigates the world of social media. Here she is.
1: Hello. Hello, Laura. <laughs>
0: Hello. Let's go right back to the beginning, Nikki, and um, talk about how you got into food writing because okay. it wasn't your first career choice, was it?
1: No, it, well, <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, it was not a choice. It just, <laughs> it really was an accident. Uh, I was working in an uh, advertising agency okay. as a brand strategist, and I. Was in quite the in, probably in about the last eight years of working in advertising, I only worked on food and drinks brands because okay. that was what I was really interested in. So, doing quite a lot of things like lots of product development and sensory testing and that kind of stuff. So, okay. um, it's piquing my interest. I went yeah. to a debrief about um, milkshakes, yeah, and all the different. Descriptions that you could conjure about strawberry milkshake and a banana milkshake—I find that really fascinating. And at the same time, I was taking a wine course at the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, right. which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and that was really opening my eyes up to what flavour was, and also the experience of, well, trying to put the trying to put it into words, uh, which you, you were very much encouraged to do in that, at that particular course. Mm. Uh, and I was very very into cooking. Uh, and I think there was probably a lot of stuff about Heston Blumenthal and the flavor combinations, Mm -hmm. things that were starting to be talked about, things like chocolate and chili, and, um, you know, he was doing, he was doing oysters with passion fruit, and I just started to think, oh, this is really interesting, what... I wonder why one thing goes with another, you know, I'd like to know more about it. And I just assumed, because there are about a million food books published every year, yeah. I thought, well, I'll just go and buy one. And I went to the shop and they didn't have anything. And then I started scouring around on, you know, on Amazon UK, right. Amazon USA, and there wasn't anything. So I had this idea that, oh, well, you know, I should write one. and then I could yeah exactly that light bulb moment (laughs) it was a light bulb moment but then I and then I didn't think any more about it but I was sitting in my office a couple of weeks later when the title of the flavor thesaurus just popped into my head from nowhere Wow! so that I that Malcolm Gladwell talks about how your brain carries on thinking about something when you're not really conscious (laughs) of it and that, that could have been that and I just I was quite breathless I just stood up in my office, and I just remember I was in Great Portland Street, quite high up, with a window open, and and it was a hot day, and I just remember feeling a bit, yeah, a bit breathless because I thought (laughs) that is just that's it, that is this thing, Um, and I had I had entered the Waitrose Food Magazine Food Writing Competition a couple of years before, I think, so it wasn't like it was not something I ever thought about, so it you know all these things came together, and I wrote a proposal, and wrote a sample. Um, you know, and slowly that came together, and I um, took it to an agent, and uh, and then the agent took it to lots of publishers, and lots of publishers <laughs> turned it down, and then eventually we'll it, them it, now. Found, its, it <laughs> found its person. You
0: know? Well, it must have taken so so much work though, because it's it's much like your new book, which we'll come on to. It's seemingly so it must have taken so much work. It's so complex, um, mm. so much research. It's it's not kind of a, a light overview of things to get your kind of little entries on the reason why lamb goes with mint or oysters go with passion fruit you must have done a lot of research around all those individual things yeah so how long did it take t- from, it took from three that? years okay that's a long time two three
1: years which you know now seems relatively short but um when i when i'd set out to write it i really thought that it was going to be a question of going through lots and lots of my favorite food books mm. and pulling out quotes you know these people say this about this pairing and and this chef says that these two go well together because i mean really expecting quite a lot of science as well yeah and um it just turned out that that was not available there's very very little written about flavor um i I think probably at the time and maybe even still there's not really anything about flavor written for you know the the cook you know Mm -hmm. the domestic cook or even if you like the chef, what there is is written mainly for the flavor industry. Yeah. So it's, you know, they're chemistry textbooks. I use those a lot. I mean, right. a, a lot of the chemistry stuff uh, has have, have been taken from those books. Mm. And I I got a very bad grade in chemistry <laughs> at, at school. So thank <laughs> I did what I could. With what, I mean, I kind of, it was a bit like learning a language. Like, yeah. Uh, looking for patterns, looking. I mean, I, I could see enough um, information to make connections myself. And I have a, obviously quite a connective brain. Uh, So there was the science of... But really, um, one of the first conversations I had was with a flavour scientist, and his view was that uh, flavour compatibility is much more about... Um, What you're used to, Mm. what you grow up with, and he told me this great story about drinking cod liver oil with orange juice every day when he was a child, and how he craves that now. And that's, I mean, that's a really telling story because orange cod liver (laughs) oil is is not nice. Not nice. No. No. (laughs) Uh, And I think that was it was kind of useful because that informed me going ahead, like, okay, you don't need to make this a great science textbook. And I, you know, I know sometimes that people say, oh, it'd be much better if it was more about the science. And I, you know... Do people say that? Yeah, people do say... I think because... I think I went into it thinking... There's a key. There's an answer. Yeah. There's like a formula, and uh, and it isn't. It's actually it's much better than that. It's cultural. And, yeah, um, psychological and, and yes, yeah. and that's you know that's lovely because that also that means that we can learn to like yeah. new things and be um, connected to the foods that we eat presumably
0: as well. You know, if you have that memory, then that stays with you, and you can return to that memory if you want to so easily.
1: Absolutely. I, I mean, I think if you if you dig out something that you haven't eaten for a long time, maybe something that you ate at an important period of time or, you you know, maybe if it was just once, it's incredible how that can bring back Mm. um, memories and feelings. Really Mm. powerful. Yeah.
0: Were you surprised at the reaction to the book because and I don't say this lightly the kind of the ripple effect of your book has been so huge um not just you know the first year of its release now you know nearly 10 years later um it's not just you know joe public it's not scientists it's uh, chefs everybody everybody who enjoys food that's read this book you know can't stop raving about it and uses it you know i go back to it all the time it's probably one of my most well-thumbed food books um were you surprised that it it did so well (laughs) in in the nicest possible way well
1: yes because it's done I think way better than anyone would have thought Mm. I did before I started I I took three years out I mean I wasn't I got very little in terms of a advance for it. Yeah. So I lived on my savings while I was writing it, and did a bit of freelance work as well. I, so, I feel that deep down there must have been some belief there to do that. Yeah. You know, to, you know, living in London isn't cheap. So right. I must have thought that it would do okay. Yeah. I think in order to do that, to take that a risk. Yeah. But uh but I didn't I mean it's it's sold quarter of a million copies in this country. Which, which is just
0: is... unheard of when I... it comes to but especially you know you're not a you weren't a celebrity chef or, yeah to to kind of have that effect you know it's hard enough to get a book deal if you're not jamie oliver or nigella lawson so well, it, it,
1: was, <laughs> that I, it was hard to get yeah book deal. But, so to, um, to
0: have that and then be so successful and around the world as well is it 13 languages you've been? it's
1: interested? 14 14? now it's just yeah. coming out in um korea oh, wow, wow which i didn't i didn't know about until uh just seen a cover to you know to to clear well congratulations yeah thank you Uh, that is I mean that is kind of amazing I think when you get the first call to say oh someone wants to translate it and you think wow because you know there is a certain i think it's got you know it's got a certain british sense of humor it's really got... <laughs> really funny and
0: that's part of its charm as well is that it's Thank not you. so so it's so funny when you say about it being more sciencey because you get all of this information and the science and the um the foodie aspect from the the chef anecdotes and um the references to cookery books and things but then you have your humor and wit in it as well which makes it so accessible for everybody which Thank i you. love oh
1: well i just, um yeah i think we can get a little bit too serious about food. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I love Nora Ephron. Yeah. <laughs> and she's so brilliant about food and food culture. And, um, you know, there's, she wrote a really great piece in the 70s about uh, the New York food writing scene. I don't right. know if you've ever read it. No, I need to. I'm it's, in, it's in the collection that India Knight wrote the forward to. It's, it's, it's a treat. Yeah. And uh, I think for you, you'll find it very funny because okay, you will know whether that's still, you know, <laughs> whether that's a similar culture here and whether yeah. it's the same thing. Amazing.
0: Um, and so you've taken a rather analytical, clinical approach to your second book as well. Mm-hmm. So we've got Lateral Cooking. I've got it in front of me here. Um, it's got a forward by Yotam Ottolenghi, which is amazing <laughs> as well. Um, So this book, you can probably say it a bit more eloquently than me, but it's about teaching readers to become an instinctive cook. So where you focused on flavour with the Flavour Thesaurus, this is about method. So how did the idea for this book come about?
1: So uh, it was really organic. So um, as I say, the introduction to the Flavour Thesaurus, uh, even though I was really experienced at following recipes uh, and, you know, very wide-ranging cook, I didn't ever adapt anything. I always <laughs> stuck very, very closely to the path. And then when I had to try flavor combinations in, um, for, the, to, for uh, the flavor thesaurus to put like little tiny recipes and ideas, then I had to do it. I had to adapt things or I mm-hmm. had to kind of try and make things up a bit. And that was a whole new experience for me. But it's very time-consuming. And what I just thought, oh, God, I really wish I had a book that was just like a bunch of elastic recipes. Yeah. So I can take cinnamon and grapefruit, or I can take, uh, I don't know, you, black currant and licorice, and, and just apply them to, to them, stick them on, if you like. Uh, and so I did my usual thing. I went out to buy mm-hmm. that book and see whether there was one. Couldn't find anything like it. So I just started, for my own use, started to compile a file of... Like okay, this is um, this is the basic idea. Here are some of the things that you can do to change it up. Mm. This matters. This doesn't. Yes, you'll need this many eggs, but it doesn't matter. You know, all this kind of stuff in rough note form. And then it, it got bigger and it got bigger. And I started started to think. Actually, this would be really. This might be useful to other people. Mm. Uh, and that so that took me as far as the idea mm-hmm. uh, and what I was doing at the beginning of writing this book. And then, then there was another stage. Okay. So I was thinking about the flavour wheel. And I was thinking, how am I going to arrange all these starting point recipes? Yeah. And, and they probably do have a very natural kind of group of chapters. So there's custard and there's nuts and there's chocolate and there's cakes and biscuits, uh, stock soups and stews, uh, bread. Yeah. A few others. So obviously they, they, they were sensible kind of chapters. Mm. And I was just wondering how I might organise it beyond that. And then like, the more I looked at the recipes and the more I thought about them, the more I started to see continuums of how the recipes and the ideas related to each other. Mm. And that <laughs> that was great because I got very excited about that because I say my brain is super connective, so that's its thing. <laughs> and it must be. And, uh, <laughs> and then, But that meant kind of going back and then really looking at everything spending quite a lot of time dividing things into groups and seeing things as themes. But also, um, so, for example, the bread chapter, where we start the continuum with the very basic flatbread, which made of flour, mortar and salt. Then the next point of continuum is where a chemical leavener is added to that. You're making it, you're making up the dough in a really similar way, Mm -hmm. finishing it in different ways. But... And then, if you replace that chemical leavener with yeast, uh, and then you st- start bringing kneading into the equation because of the, you know, because of the yeast and the gluten, then I, I just started to see this these continuums. Mm. It's not the nicest word, but it's, I couldn't think of a better way of describing it. So, so it was not only taking a a theme, a starting point recipe, and looking at all the different ways you might adapt it in terms of, I suppose, in terms of practicality. What different flour could I use? Am I able to, you know, can I use water or fruit juice or stock as a liquid in this? But also lots of, you know, flavours and variations. So for flatbread, the flavour and variation might be using coconut along with the flour to make yeah. it something called a pol roti, or it might be using uh, oatmeal, uh, and a bit of lard to make an oat cake instead. So they're, they're like the flavours and variations on flatbread. But then it's seeing those starting point recipes in relation to each other. So it, it, in the end, everything is connected. Yeah. Everything's about sort of seeing, uh, seeing patterns and themes. And the practical application of that, or the use of that, I suppose, is not only does it make the world seem a very beautiful place yeah. when you see it all connected up, but you think, oh, well, I can make that. I can, yeah. I can I can add water Makes to it. everything flour. accessible, yeah. <laughs> um, So that means I can make all those flatbreads and I can make all of those crackers and I can add some seeds to it and I can also... Actually, the flatbread and cracker uh, starting point recipe, if you make it with buckwheat and flour, you can make Japanese nihachi noodles. Uh, sure. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just... Okay, so you learn one thing mm. and I could cook something with that one thing every day for the next month. Yeah. You do something different with it. And... Not only does that mean that you master a technique, yeah. you, just, you can be very confident and you can start using different ingredients in it because you know, you've learned a bit about how it's supposed to work. Well, that's the thing. You're
0: making food so accessible, you're giving the reader confidence, but you're actually breaking the rules of food writing because you're always taught as a food Sorry writer... Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. You're doing us all out of a job here. Um, you're always told not to give options because in the nicest possible way listeners you have to kind of treat your reader as an idiot because um you know you don't want to give options because that's when it can go wrong um so we don't treat you like idiots but you know what i mean you know it's it's keeping it nice and simple Mm. and also you know you need to be able to be able to give them another recipe for something else that's how we that's how we make money but in your book you're giving some serious good value for money i need to give a (laughs) statistic here so um i didn't count personally but it's something like um so there's 70 more than 70 base recipes um, for every, from everything from flatbreads to um, cakes, biscuits, whatever. Then uh, is it something like 500 leeways? I didn't.
1: <laughs> I didn't count them meaning. 500 leeways
0: and then um, 600 flavour combinations. Right, okay. So that's a lot of uh, recipe and um, instruction for your buck. There.
1: Yeah, and they're just there to get you going. Yeah,
0: <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to read a little extract um, from the hollandaise just to give you guys an idea of, of how this book works, which I just think it is so clever. So we've got hollandaise here and again it's got Nikki's sort of signature um, Just lovely turn of phrase and things. So, turning melted butter into hollandaise miraculously banishes its greasiness. Uh, Mixing up the following quantity by hand isn't too painful, but I would nearly always choose the machine method over the stovetop. There are those who consider this cheating and call the results butter mayonnaise, but I've never had any complaints, Um, which I just love. And I, I would definitely favour the machine method too. So, and then the recipe obviously is relatively simple. You've got egg yolks, salt, lemon juice, butter and white pepper. But then you've got all these leeways as well. So, you've got that you can say you can make it with more egg yolks, but it might taste a bit, which make it more um, stable, but it might taste a little bit more eggy. You talk about, instead of using lemon juice, you can use a vinegar reduction and give tips for that. Um, you say you can use clarified butter instead of regular melted butter. Um, and you can use, uh, instead of pepper, you can use cayenne or Tabasco. So the, the, it seems like the possibilities are endless in the book, which is just wonderful.
1: And I think, I mean, that's the, the starting point recipe and the leeway. Mm. And I, am, you know, I have a very normal domestic kitchen, and I am the kind of person who, you know, I would read a recipe, and if it says, you need this amount of butter, and I was 15 grams shy... I would think, oh, I don't have enough, and I. So I'm always, I always need that kind of information. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a lot of different sizes because, again, you know, when you read a recipe, particularly at the moment, now that there are lots of American size, yes, things, cups in, and, it, it, yeah. not, I mean, more like the sort of the ten-inch pie plate oh, and see. the enormous <laughs> cakes that yeah. have come over on the basically with the sort of, um, I suppose, online yeah. recipes have, have changed. Whereas, you know, I always. I always had a 17-centimetre and Mm 20-centimetre cake. I kind of prefer that. I prefer making slightly smaller things, I've got to say, because I don't want to have a mega cake hanging around (laughs) too long. But, yeah, with that kind of thing, just knowing... Little bits and pieces, like oh, if you actually if you don't have enough flour, you could use a bit of almond, mm. you know, ground almond if you've got it. That kind of and thing, and it won't break. You can yeah. still do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, as I say in the introduction, you know, well, you know, if you start really, you know, ha- if you apply a lot of these things, mm. then it might go wrong. But if things go wrong, it doesn't usually matter that much. You yeah. know, it could be a bit, uh, but uh, it's part of. Being a cook, I Mm. I used to ride horses when I was a kid and they always said seven falls made a good rider. (laughs) And maybe we should have a similar thing in cooking so that people don't feel so, you know, I I know there are a lot of young people who just feel that it's too scary. Yeah. And that they're expected to achieve such great, you know, we see these amazing amateurs on the Mm. TV doing Mind-boggling things, yeah. And then there's Instagram, and the, you know, real most domestic cooking doesn't look like that. Yeah. I should post more pictures of what I make. You know, yeah. they look like they look like a normal person, maybe. <laughs> um,
0: I actually read an interview that you don't take pictures of food. Is that still true? Uh,
1: that well, I have got some of the. I have taken pictures of things that I've cooked for lateral cooking. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no photos in the book. Is there? <laughs> no, there's no photos in the book because it is it is the opposite of a. Carla recipe mm. book. It's not a. It's not a. Um, here is this beautiful thing, yeah. and here's how to achieve it. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's coming from a completely different end of the telescope. It's a I teaching think. tome. <laughs> well, yes, and also I think something to get a bit lost in, and, mm. and I hope that there's something in the way that it's written mm. that is inviting to everyone. That you can, you can, you know, you can do a lot more than you think you can because you've probably made something like something else yeah so it's you know it's just a question of learning one or two steps sometimes rather than a whole you know like if you've made a loaf of bread it's not that big i mean it's hard work to make a brioche (laughs) but it's not a huge jump from there you've done most of it before yeah what's your favorite thing to cook and then to have cooked for you (laughs) Um, well, the favourite thing to have cooked for me is kind of is is, is in the book. My husband uh, makes Rick Stein's duck in Vietnamese orange juice, Ooh. and it's it has um, aromatics that you would normally associate with a Chinese master stock: okay. lemongrass, ginger, garlic, lots of chili. Uh, I've preseeded it. It's from his uh, oh Far Eastern travels or whatever okay. and uh, it's amazing amazing yep. amazing recipe and he, and my husband makes it he makes it really properly he oh, really? really follows follows it all does lots of reducing <laughs> and stuff and it's absolutely fantastic so that is what i like to have cooked for me okay. in fact i'd like to have that cooked for me quite soon <laughs> okay
0: well i hate i hope your
1: husband's listening <laughs> to this I, I think i i mean i I get very bored of something when I've had to do a lot of it. Mm. So, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, you know that in this in this kind of business, you're making 30 creme caramels yep. in a few, you know, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it can really put you off things yep. for a while. So I'm trying to think what I, what I, what I, I do like making bread. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of find, you know, that kind of thing very relaxing. Yeah. Maybe because, we'll say, I like the fact that you can kind of do what you want of it and then put it aside. You know, that whole thing of putting it in the fridge was quite new to me uh, when I started to get into very regular bread baking. So, yeah, I think bread... I want to make a lardy cake. Now you're talking my language.
0: So I'm from the West Country.
1: Oh, I'm from Hampshire. Oh, are you? We think it's ours. Oh, I'm I'm going to claim
0: it as ours. (laughs) Yeah, lardy cakes were my thing. Every Friday afternoon, on the way home from school, we had a little bakery in our um, in our village, and I would go get a lardy cake, which is probably not very good for my health, but definitely good for my soul.
1: Well, you say it's not very good for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. with, with
0: animal fats well, now, good, yeah.
1: Well, it's not so much that. It's also the if you look at the proportions of it. Mm. So there's a it's in the flavours and variations of buns in okay. in cooking. Look at the proportions. So you make a quite a lean bundo, mm. and then you just you know you just laminate it or you just you know it, intersperse it with little cubes of lard and some um, and some fruit. It's not very much fat and sugar in comparison to say a Victoria sponge.
0: Wow, well, you have sold it to me. Even more reason to have <laughs> one now. I think I sold it to myself.
1: I mean, I'm not sure about the d- the depth of the glaze. because yeah. that's what I remember from being a child. Is this, it was so shiny and sticky. And sugar. I used to, ours used
0: to have really sugary lumps of fat in between each of the layers, like really crusty sugar and, and currants, <laughs> which was just so good. I really want one now. Don't think you get them around much anymore. We need to bring these back. I
1: think you still find. I think you yeah. used to get them in the West Country. We used to have them on um, bonfire night. So I was associated with being, you know, there were trays and trays for sale at a fireworks display. But... um Let's make one. Yeah, I think I definitely need to. I'll take a picture of it. I'll make one yeah, and I'll please take a picture. Do. Of it. Good, good.
0: Um, Okay, and where do you like to eat out? So you're based in London, aren't you? So you've got a wealth of, of good
1: restaurants around I do. you. I, I have toddler twins. Okay. <laughs> so <I don't laughs> so you never ma- go out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a massive list. Okay. Uh, and where I do go tends to be quite near where okay. I live. Uh, but we go to Morito a lot. Lovely. A lot, yep. a lot, and just love it. I think it's almost impossible to have a bad meal yeah. there uh same thing in exmouth market i'm going to the barbecue yeah that is one of the places i've been recently where i came out and tried to cop you know copy yeah. some of the stuff yeah. i um i went to now i have to be i might not pronounce this properly i can't remember it's la Jocca or la Giotta, which okay. is part of petersham nurseries okay. new place in covent garden i went there a few months ago and had chicken livers that were cooked with Herbs and quite a bit of rosemary. And I'm a bit funny about rosemary sometimes. Quite soapy,
0: can't it, if you have and, too much? and
1: just Yeah, and just, yeah. I think, maybe I just associate it with having had too much of it at one point. Mm. Uh, but it was really terrific. Okay. And in fact, everything that we had in that meal, the flavours were intense and delicious. and right. quite, Oh, yeah, that was great.
0: It must be a lot of pressure to cook for you because you've analysed all these things so much and, and know what works and what doesn't. Um...
1: I, I think I might... Well, I think when I'm paying for a meal... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not... I'm quite... Yeah, I'm quite hard to please, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I remember the really good ones very yeah. clearly because you eat quite a lot of average meals, I think. Yeah. You, there's not enough good stuff out there. Um, but... Uh, with my... Fr- I think the funny thing is your friends who say, oh, I don't want to cook for you. And you think, <laughs> well, I... I I always just, you know, I just put it on the table and yeah. I and apologize for whatever's gone wrong. With
0: <laughs> I always think the start with an apology and you work yeah. your way back up. Um, and so is Middle Eastern food kind of a, a favorite of yours or do you have, are you really open to all cuisines?
1: I'm open to all cuisines, but yeah. it is a real favorite yeah. of mine. i just, you know, it's the, in the barbecue, it's the roasted cauliflower oh and God. their salsa made of pomegranate and i think it's got tomato in it and parsley and chili and it's so vibrant and mm. i try, I haven't can't quite copy we've, it we've got the
0: cauliflower shawarma recipe on olivemagazine.com if you want to have a look for that yes i do it's I so do. good so so good so you can recreate that does I it think.
1: did it have did it come does the shawarma recipe come with the pomegranate salsa I feel like
0: it does yeah. yes so oh, yeah have yes, a look I do. olivemagazine.com um, Amazing. So, are you on Instagram as well? You say that you don't take many pictures. I have an address. You do? <laughs> You're on Twitter, aren't you? I am. Yeah, and you just changed your profile name, haven't you? So, tell our readers what listeners Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, so
1: it, <laughs> it was a really rubbish name. <laughs> it was at Flav Thesaurus because, uh, because I can't remember why. But um, maybe you couldn't fit the whole name in. I can't remember. And now it's even more embarrassing. Why? Because, <laughs> because it says at real Nicky Segner. It's the most pretentious thing ever, right, for somebody who's not at all famous. It says at real The reason it says that is because somebody... I mean, just... I think just as my book came out, Flavor Stories yeah. came out, someone registered at Nicky Segner and put a, um, a photograph, which isn't me, oh, no. <laughs> doing something that I would never do. Oh, I
0: see. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, right. Well, yeah. you know
0: you've made it if you have an account that's not you you know i
1: know, <laughs> <A> <laughs> I know what account. i mean about the pretension it just looks like, <laughs> like i think i am someone but really uh, you are
0: you are i promise um okay but you're and you're on instagram or is that is oh that a... so
1: i have an instagram I, I sort of mean to but i'm okay. actually at the moment just grappling with twitter because okay. when um I, I really have had very little time because this this book took eight years to I was write gonna say,
0: this had quite this is the the difficult second album but total success. It
1: just well it just turned out to be kind of needed needed to be that big. Yeah. It's six hundred and twelve pages. That's and a lot of work. Yeah and I but when I think like oh, could I have made it shorter? I don't think so. I think it has to be this length. It must have been hard to stop as well
0: because again <sighs> the possibilities
1: seem endless. <laughs> I was quite, <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> uh, but it had to be right, and th- yeah. that means it goes through. You know, it goes through a lot of editing of process, and um, and then reworking, and then there's not, you know, then there's not enough flavors and variations yeah. for um, for one particular area, so you have to write some more, and then there's a, there's pictures as well like the illustrations illustrations are great to show the
0: journey and the cycle of of each yeah so
1: to include things that I haven't had space or anything I particularly wanted to write about so other so for example with the you know meringues it will just Mm. be a whole load of different things that you can do with meringues so not just you know piping into shapes or whatever but Remembering reminding people if you've got some leftover, you can add it to sorbet yeah. or you can make a, you can make a cocktail with it and you can do that you know just blah 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 all mm. the different just a, a visual um, kind of quick reference yeah so uh hard to stop <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad it's finished
0: <laughs> <laughs> well my next question was going to be what what's next do you have another one up your sleeve another problem solver
1: um i have another book already oh, commissioned wow, yes wow. so um uh, no, no
0: rest for the wicked
1: though no no rest for the wicked i mean i really i started lateral cooking pretty much the moment i put my pen down wow. from the flavor at that time i didn't have anything else to do so yeah. that was okay um now i have two, you know the I had the children halfway through writing this so they're nearly four and th- and between them and the writing I don't really have much time for anything else yeah. and so I need to learn to use Twitter because <laughs> I, I well I think when I set up the account and I was sort of doing it before i found it okay but every now now and i look back on it i find it much more complicated and i don't know why that is <laughs> yeah i think don't even overthink it the, the
0: great thing about these the social media is that it's this massive community right and foodies are very vocal on it and so it's great to kind of be able to if you've got a question about your your book somebody yeah. can just tweet you and and speak to you direct yeah you know, and that's time. an amazing thing
1: yes i just need to <laughs> you're right i need to not overthink about yeah. it. Yes. yeah yeah
0: and just, is it most of the uh, social media is just shouting into a room and seeing if somebody hears is you, isn't it? So, um, so, can you tell us anything about that? Them? That
1: makes it sound much more <laughs> than anyone else's. I thought it was all about social anxiety. I like the idea yeah, of shouting in it? a yeah. room.
0: Just see if anyone else can answers. do that. Yeah, good. Um, so, next book, can you tell us anything about it, or is that still top
1: secret? I'm going to keep it, well, it's not top secret, but I am going to keep it under wraps because... This one's just come out. Yeah. And I feel like less, I, I less need to give it it's, yeah. Yeah, its due. And okay. then, and then the, I'm hoping that the next one won't take anything like as long.
0: Okay. Good. All really, right. Really <laughs> well, massive congratulations thank on you Last much. World Cooking. And thank you so much for the Flavoured Thesaurus because we absolutely love it at Olive. And we're really excited about your next book when that comes out as well.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Thank you very That's much, It's really Mickey.
0: fun. All right. Cheers thanks for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast if you liked what you heard do head over to iTunes and leave us a review or give us a shout out on social media we're at Olive Magazine on all the usual suspects Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and what we've been up to this month, you can head over to olivemagazine.com, which is updated daily with brilliant recipes, restaurant recommendations, and foodie travel itineraries and more. And you can grab a copy of the new October issue of Olive Magazine, which very excitingly is out now with an amazing rum and russet apple tart satan on the front cover. It's in all good supermarkets and newsagents, or you can download it digitally via our snazzy app or Apple News. That's all from me and business as usual will be resumed next week with Janine. Bye.